What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Milner. In today's episode, I was reminded of something, and I want to share that reminder. And it's a really important reminder because sometimes I forget that I take certain things for granted, having done this for a very long time. And one of those things that I take for granted is the idea that most people look at macro tracking, dieting, their nutrition plan as some kind of temporary thing, something that they're on or off, something that they start and stop. And the path from going from that perspective to the, this is just something that I do. This is my forever plan. Now, in particular, I want to talk about macros because macro tracking is something that a lot of us use as a tool to make changes. But if we continue to rely purely on that tool, then we do we actually know, like, let me give you an example first. A frequent question that I get asked is, do you do meal plans? And I say, no. And then the person inevitably says, why? <laughs> and I say, because it doesn't teach you anything. What do you do without the meal plan? What do you do with real life? What do you do in all these different scenarios where a meal plan can't save you? And like all, all that following a meal plan taught you how to do was how to eat foods off of a, a piece of paper or a, you know, PDF or whatever. Like, cool. You can follow instructions. That doesn't mean that you can live your life sustainably and have, you know, a healthy lifestyle and achieve your goals and live happily ever after. It just means you can follow a set of instructions. Now, macros are slightly different, but you could make the argument that macros are kind of the same thing. Like, what do you do when you're not like, do you want to track macros for the rest of your life? Do you want to be in social situations and always be tracking? And, you know, a lot of times coaches will say, well, no, you just take a day off. But like, even still, do you, do you want to be tracking six, seven days a week? Do you only want to take a certain, like, you know, I only stop tracking when I'm on vacation. I only stop tracking when I go out uh, with friends. Like, is that, did you learn anything in that scenario? Or are you still dependent on the tool, just like being dependent on a meal plan? You could make the argument that it's one and the same, even if the context is slightly different, because macro tracking does allow for more flexibility, right? Meal plan, you're stuck with these foods that are on the meal plan. Macro tracking, you have a lot of flexibility in what you can consume and how you set up your numbers and how you set up your week. But if we take a step back and we zoom out, are we really talking about something all that different? So what I want to share is the process of going from using the tool of macro tracking to a long-term, sustainable, healthy lifestyle that does not depend on tracking macros. So that is, uh, it was something that I was reminded of based off of a conversation that I had with somebody who just joined our coaching program. Um, I had a couple really powerful conversations that I really, um, I, I think it's important to highlight. The first one was about this, this idea of, of tracking macros forever, because this woman who recently joined our program came from, she had signed up for another coaching program. Um, she didn't tell me who, so I'm, I can't throw anybody under the bus, even if I wanted to. <laughs> but she said that she, um, they, they talked a lot about, like a personalized approach. But then when she joined the program, there was no one-on-one -on -one coaching. She got thrown into a group. It was very much like you can ask questions, but it can only go into this group, you know, uh, this group um, chat. There's no like one-on-one -on -one direct coaching. Um, she felt like nobody even knew, like if she didn't do a check-in, nobody was there to like reach out or do anything about that. And uh, most importantly, their parameters were, if you want to see progress, you must be within three grams of your macros, all of your macros, every single day, consistently for several weeks straight. <laughs> Think about this. You have to be within three grams, by the way, for reference range, three grams of carbs is, is 12 calories. 12 calories, three grams of protein is also 12 calories. So you had to be within three grams. Now, three grams of fat is 27 calories, but we're talking about what's that 27 
plus 12, plus, we're talking about 51 calories. So you have to be within 51 calories every single day consistently for weeks on end if you want to see progress. Now, tell me that's not disordered. And, and that was how she felt. Fortunately, she had the wherewithal to be like, um, no, that's a little bit crazy, especially for somebody who has perfectionist tendencies uh, and who's, you know, has that maybe all or nothing mindset, like absolutely not. So, um, so she made the decision to join with us after doing what she should have done, which is like asking the questions about how do you, how do you do your check-ins? How do you do your communication? What does all that look like? Uh, what are the parameters around consistency and that sort of thing? It's funny. I used to work for a company that, that a lot of people know and their parameters were very similar. Now, not only were they, you have to be within a certain range of your macros. Um, I think theirs was like five grams on fat and 10 grams on carbs. So, so a little bit more flexible, but they would color code your macros based off of your ability to stay within that that parameter. So if you were five grams over, like let's say you were six grams over on fat or 11 grams over on carbs or under even, um, your macros would show up as red as if you failed. And if you were within that range, they would show up as green as if you were successful, like you passed. Do you want to know what the number one predictor is for, for weight gain? The number one predictor, the number one predictor on weight gain is good versus bad thinking around food. Let me say that again. The number one predictor of weight gain is good versus bad thinking around food. Now imagine being a coaching program who has no idea what psychology looks like and behavior change looks like, and you insert something that literally guarantees, because it is the number one predictor that literally guarantees that your clients will not be successful because you are enforcing something that creates a horrible relationship with food and predicts weight gain. Kind of shocking, but also not if you understand how things work. But that it was a that was a, an important reminder because this particular individual was like, well, I, I think macros are a great they like really helped me and I understand why people use them. Like, I don't want to track for the rest of my life. So we had a whole conversation about what that looks like. I had another conversation immediately after with another woman who also happened to join our coaching program. And this is just kind of an aside because she said something that was so incredibly profound. Now, she got on the phone and she said that she was really nervous to talk to me. And I said, why are you nervous? She said, well, you know, it's, it's a good kind of nerves. Just, I don't know. I'm just, you know, maybe it's like partially excited, partially nervous. Um, so we had a whole long conversation and she said that the biggest thing for her was mindset. She said, I've been listening to the podcast for a really long time. I've been reading your emails for a really long time and, and they've always resonated with me but I've hesitated to reach out or to join coaching because of fear. And she said, you know, I would always like rationalize and talk myself out of it and come up with a reason why it's not a good time uh, or why I shouldn't do it right now or whatever. And then she said something that I wrote sparked this thought. And she thought to herself that the biggest fear of why hasn't she, you know, reached out? Why hasn't she taken that step? Why hasn't she joined coaching? And she said, the biggest fear was the feel, fear of failure. And she said, I, I took it one step further and I was like, okay, well, what, what does that actually mean? So she said, the fear of failure was really fear of letting myself down. And then she was like, but what I realized and what hit me and kind of slapped me in the face was that Doing what I'm doing currently is letting myself down. By not getting the help and the support that I need, that is actually letting myself down. And I was like, that is a, an incredibly profound and powerful reframe. Because often we think fear of failure, if I join this program and, I, and I'm not successful, I let myself down. 
but it's the opposite. It's staying the same. It's staying in the known certain misery, right? Most prefer the misery that most prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. So it's staying in that certain misery that is letting yourself down. That's like, think about it from this lens. I'm in a toxic relationship. I know that based off of where I'm at currently, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. This relationship is toxic. I want to leave this relationship, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid to make the change because what if I can't find anybody else? What if there's nobody else that will love me? What if we we create all of these what ifs? I'm afraid that if I put myself out there, I'll get rejected. I'll let myself down. But the actuality is by staying in the toxic relationship, that is letting yourself down. And I just thought that was such a powerful reframe. And uh, she did the the scary thing and she moved forward with coaching. And it, it always just warms my, it like reminds me of why I do this. It reminds me of how important this work is and, and how meaningful it is. And seeing people like that, who can have that that mental reframe and then they do the scary thing that they've been putting off, knowing what that's going to mean for, for the rest of their lives is just a beautiful thing. Anyway, before I get into what I really want to talk about, which is going from macro tracker to uh, lifestyle lean without having to track ever again, um, I got to give away some uh, some stuff because every Wednesday we do a ratings and reviews giveaway where if you left a five-star review, you're eligible to win. We pick the winner every Wednesday. You get a free supplement of your choice from one of our sponsors, Cured Nutrition, Organifi, or Legion Athletics. And this week's winner is G Knowles or G Dash Knowles. G Dash Knowles. I don't know if like if that's like Seminoles, like you're a Florida State fan. Um, I always try to figure out what the usernames mean. Uh, G Knowles. All right. So the review says game changer. I listened to many podcasts about health and wellness. I've been struggling in the new year to find the motivation and to change my mindset. After listening to a few episodes, I had many aha moments. The butterfly effect episode was one of those. I also love that you tell it like it is. Thanks and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, G Knowles. I appreciate you. And just email me, Mike at peakoptimizationperformance.com, and I will get you all hooked up uh, with whatever product you want from one of our sponsors. You can literally pick anything, and I will send it over to you and get you all hooked up. And if you want to be eligible to win in the upcoming week, just open up the podcast app on your phone, hit the search button, type in Mind Over Macros. You'll tap the little thumbnail that pops up. Uh, to go to the show. And then you scroll all the way down until you see ratings and reviews and you could submit your five-star review for a chance to win. And uh, if you're looking for a product to try, I would highly recommend the Shilajit gummies from Organifi or maybe the Serenity gummies from from Cured. I don't know. There's so many good ones to choose from, but uh, you can you can take your pick uh, and literally anything that you want from any of those three sponsors, Cured, Organifi, or Legion. Um, so real quick though, Genos, um, finding the motivation, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those topics that I've discussed a lot and I'm sure you can, uh, I'm sure you already have kind of gone back through and, uh, looked at some old episodes, uh, related to that in particular, but, uh, one thing that can be really helpful is, I just actually listened to another podcast on this. That's why it's fresh in my mind. But one of the things that we can do is we can actually align the behaviors to our morals and values instead of to an outcome. And that can really change the quote unquote motivation to do something. For example, if I want to lose weight and I'm only working out and eating well to lose weight, you're going to find yourself in, in a position of not being motivated very frequently because you're, it's, it's conditional, right? You're, you're basing it purely off of an external outcome. Now we all want results. That's all well and good. But if I can shift the focus to my internal morals and values, I morally and my value system tells me that I 
take care of my health because it makes me feel better. It gives me more confidence. It gives me more energy. I like to feel strong and capable. I want to set a better example for my kids. I believe that living a healthy lifestyle enhances every life experience. And I can align that with my morals and my values. And I can make it about the behaviors and the daily commitments versus the outcome and the number on the scale or whatever external outcome. If I can make it about the daily commitment of I go to the gym four days a week because that aligns with my value system of being strong and capable, healthy and living a long and fulfilling life. And the checkpoint for me is not Did I build a bunch of muscle or did I lose a bunch of fat? The daily checkpoint is, did I follow through on the commitment? That's it. That's the win. Did I follow through on the commitment? Yes, because that means that I am acting in congruence with my value system and my morals. When people act out of alignment, when people act incongruently, that creates this dissonance that creates internal stress that creates a lack of fulfillment, a lack of happiness. Yes, there is a direct correlation between your words and your actions aligning and your happiness and fulfillment. When people do something that goes against their morals and their values, it is self-betrayal. It is like this, this uh, new client said, it's, it's, the failure, I'm failing myself by doing what I'm currently doing because the words and the actions are not aligning. It feels like self-betrayal. And oftentimes we don't understand why we feel this way. We don't understand why there's this like low-grade stress or anxiety. Why don't We don't understand why there is this lack of fulfillment. Why am I not happy? Well, if you check your value system, if you check your words and your actions and you find that there is a dissonance That's why. That's why you feel that way. So what I would recommend is instead of looking at the motivation from the external perspective, I would look at it internally and make sure that you are crystal clear on why you're doing what you're doing, why you want to do what you want to do, the morals and the values that, that align with your pursuit of health and fitness. And then it becomes the behavior checkpoint, the daily commitment checkpoint. Did I follow through on the actions? Not did the scale go down this week, not did I see you know progress in the mirror, purely based off of the actions, behaviors, and habits, the commitments. Did I follow through on the commitment? Yes, then, then I'm, I'm winning, regardless of what the scale says. One of the things that I like to do, I actually brought this up also on a, a call with a, a current client. Uh, there's this idea, this, this, uh, you know, this internal battle, right? We, our brains can play tricks on us. It's easy for us to pursue instant gratification, to give in to our impulses, to say that we want something, but then there's something else in the moment that supersedes that. Like, yes, I want to be healthy and fit for the long haul, but like in the moment, there's this delicious banana bread sitting in front of me. That's a real example. So my wife just made this ridiculous looking chocolate peanut butter, banana bread for the kids. And I'm staring at it as it's like, you know, has this gooey chocolatey deliciousness and it's on the counter and the smell is amazing. And I can feel the dopamine stimulation. Like I can literally feel the dopamine stimulation inside of me happening as I'm staring at this beautifully sculpted piece of food. Um, Can you tell I'm dieting? Anyway, so what I try to do is I try to bring that to the forefront of my conscious mind where I'll actually say like, I can physically feel the dopamine, uh, you know, stimulation from this banana bread and, and the smell and the sensations. Like I can actually feel that happening. And then what I do is I give myself a choice of impulse control or giving in. And I'll actually break it down like this. I'll look at it and I'll say, I can feel the dopamine stimulation happening right now inside of my brain and my body. And I can feel the impulse kicking in. Now, here's what I want to choose. Do I want to give in to this impulse, knowing how it's going to make me feel after the fact? Or do I want to control this impulse, which also means that no food has control over me, no cheap dopamine hit has control over me, no impulse has control over me? Because 
which one of those is more in alignment with how I want to live my life and who I want to be. I don't want to be the person that gives in to impulse. I don't want to be the person that the first sign of cheap dopamine runs and takes a bite. Now, is there anything wrong with that inherently? No, of course not. To me, it's about living as the person that I want to be. And the person that I want to be has impulse control. The person that I want to be doesn't give in to cheap dopamine every time that it pops up. The person that I want to be can delay gratification for something that's important and meaningful. So the choice is simple. And I didn't even think, it was literally after that, after I did that, I didn't even think about the banana bread. It wasn't even like haunting me or doing all the, the, whatever. Like, no, this is the decision that aligns with who I want to be. So I'm going to act like it now. And that tells me that I have more control over my life than I think because I can control those impulses and I have a process for doing it, which means I have way more control than I think. And that's, that's an empowering stance. Um, anyway, I know I'm, I'm getting like way sidetracked, but if you listen to the show, you should be used to that by now. All right. So let's talk about tracking macros. There's no easy segue here. Uh, now there, there will be some coaches who are like, you should have just tracked the banana bread. No, that's not the point. <laughs> um, I, uh, so, all right. So let me, let me talk about it from the lens of first, if you are not familiar with, with tracking macros, you should go back and listen. I did a whole episode that was titled macro tracking 101, I believe was the title. It was a while ago. Uh, but let me just give you the like 30 second rundown. Your calories, the energy that you consume on a daily basis are broken down into three macronutrients, macros because we need them in large quantities. Um, so the three macros are protein, carbs, and fat. You cannot get energy or calories from any other source other than alcohol. Alcohol sometimes is considered the fourth macro um, because there are calories in, in alcohol, but uh, not really any useful calories in alcohol. So if you are eating and you're not drinking alcohol, your calories are, are made up of protein, carbs, and fats. And when somebody says, I've only ever tracked calories, I haven't tracked macros, basically what they mean is I'm paying attention to calories, but I'm not paying attention to macros because by eating calories, you're eating macros. There's no other way around it. By eating macros, you're eating calories. There's no way around it. So... um that's base, the basic gist of it is when you're tracking macros, you're not only tracking the amount of calories you're consuming, but you're actually paying attention to how those calories are divided amongst the three macronutrients, protein, carbs, fats. And so instead of saying, I'm just going to eat 2000 calories a day, you would say, I'm going to eat 2000 calories a day and I'm going to try to get, let's say 40% of those calories from protein. 30% of those calories from carbs and 30% of those calories from fats. That would be the difference between calories, tracking calories only versus tracking macros. Now there's different levels to this. Like some people will track calories and protein, which means that carbs and fats, you can kind of let them fall wherever they fall. As long as you're within your calorie target, you're good. As long as you're hitting your protein, you're good. Or you can track very specifically every single all three macros and you're you're like okay I'm going to hit 150 grams of protein 100 grams of fat and you know whatever 150 grams of carbs as an example so that's the basic gist of it you you get a, a food logging app like my fitness pal or a chronometer or my macros plus or any of those apps and you just log your food so there are ways to set this up or, you know, to, uh, to create more balance and less rigidity. And I believe in starting with the most amount of rigidity and flex. I mean, I'm sorry, the most amount of flexibility. So there's, there's ways to set this up. So it's not so rigid. There are ways to set this up. So it's more flexible. And there are ways to transition out of macros so that once you achieve your goals, you're not completely dependent on the tool of tracking macros. So the reason why I recommend tracking for everybody for at least a short period of time, and by short period of time, I'm, I'm saying like, take 30 days of your life, if nothing else, to track your food. Um, and you'll learn a lot through that process. It'll be very eye-opening. It'll be very beneficial. It'll be very educational. Just do it. Like, Get over yourself. It's 30 fucking days. You can do anything for a month. Trust me. I know you've done 
plenty of fads. I know you, you've eliminated carbs. You've done crazy fasting things. You've done keto. You've done all the things. You can track your macros for, for 30 days. And the reason why it's helpful is because it's to date. Now this might change in the future, but as it stands right now, it's the most accurate way to know how much you're consuming and the composition of the, the energy that's coming into your body. And that's the very simple truth. Like, if you want to know how much money you're making or how much money you're saving or how much money you're able to save, it makes sense to track your expenses. Not people don't like to do it. People don't like to create a budget. Nobody gets like really amped up about budgeting. But it's just one of those things that you do it because you know that the information and the data is useful. It's the same thing with tracking macros. Like if you know that the data is useful, suck it up and do it for a little bit. So that's the reason why it's helpful is because it's specific rather than guessing, right? So that's the first part. There's the initial period of, of learning. Now, if you're, if you're way past that part, just, just walk with me here because this will all make sense. The initial setup, right? Don't change anything. This is step one. Step one, don't change anything. Just track your food and get used to the process of, of tracking. Like if you have no experience, just get used to it. Treat it like you're, you're learning an instrument. Okay. You're going to, it's going to be time consuming in the beginning. It's going to be a little bit confusing. It doesn't have to be all that complicated, but there, there's a learning curve. You're doing something new. So give yourself a time to learn. Now, when you're going through this, this initial learning phase, you're not changing the way that you're eating, but you're just logging what you're eating. So get used to scanning barcodes, get used to measuring and weighing on a food scale, uh, get used to how do I track, you know, ask questions like, You'll have questions like, hey, I'm, I'm eating chicken breast for dinner. Do I weigh it raw or do I weigh it cooked? And how do I know? Like, what is the, what is the nutrition label tell me? And then you learn things like the nutrition label typically reports the state that the food comes in unless it indicates otherwise. So if you get raw chicken breast and it says four ounces is 120 calories and 26 grams of protein, for example, they're talking about four ounces of raw chicken breast. Now, sometimes you'll see a label that has a little asterisk or something, and it's like three ounces, and then it'll be like, you know, this is reported cooked with an internal temperature of 160 degrees, whatever. So then you know that they're giving you the cooked weight, but most of the time the label is reporting the, the way that the food comes in the package or the whatever. So that in the beginning, you're going to have questions like that. There's going to be that learning curve. Um, you know, how do I, how do I track a, a recipe that has like six different ingredients and all that stuff? Like just get used to learning the skill of tracking because then without changing anything, we, we understand your starting point. Now I'm not going to get into how to calculate your macros because a one-off calculation is totally useless. For those of you that think you just need like a one-off macro console, it's totally useless because a one-off macro calculation will work for like a couple weeks. <laughs> you know, if you're lucky, maybe like a month. But your body's going to adjust. There's th you need you need to know how you're responding. The key to this whole process is understanding how to make adjustments. But that's a whole different topic. Um, the bottom line is step one is you're you're learning how to do it. Step two is you actually get a specific target that you're trying to hit. Now, if you're new, I do recommend you simply start with protein and calories. So let's just say you're, you're trying to lose some body fat. You set yourself up with a calorie deficit um, because you have a really smart coach or something like that. And um, even if it is a one-off like macro calculation, whatever, you, you've got a number that you're trying to hit. That's basically step two. Start with just protein and calories. So I'm going to hit 200 grams of protein per day and 2,000 calories. Or I'm going to hit 120 grams of protein today and 1,600 calories. Whatever it is for you, that's what your, your, your next step is getting into the practice of hitting targets. So then you're going to run into the issues that everybody runs into. What do I do when I'm dining out? 
What do I do when I'm ordering in? What do I do when I'm drinking alcohol? Right. So you can learn all the various little tips and tricks along the way, but that's not the important part to pay attention to. Um, the important part is just getting in the habit of knowing how to hit targets from the food that you have in your house that you're preparing for yourself. Because ideally, we're moving more towards that as a lifestyle, that you are cooking quality food for yourself most of the time. And I, I say for yourself, I mean for you and whatever else you have in your life, like you know, spouse, kids, whatever. So being able to still hit your targets and not just being like, well, I can't hit my targets because my kids want mac and cheese. So that was really hard for me to hit my targets. Okay. Well, that means that you don't fucking eat mac and cheese. Like get practice what this looks like in your, in your life. So that's the next thing. Then from there, once you are pretty well equipped at, you know how to track, you know how to hit targets, you know, you know, you've, you've learned some stuff along the way. The next step from there is inserting a certain level of flexibility. I just have to stop this episode for a second to tell you about Cured because I think I cracked the code. I think I cracked the code on sleep. It's a constant battle for me, but it is something that I highly prioritize. So I will never stop trying to get better sleep. And you already know that the Serenity gummies, non-negotiable for me. I always take my Serenity gummies no matter what. Even when I travel, I travel with them. I take two Serenity gummies before bed, sometimes one, uh, but lately it's been two consistently. And I just love the way that I feel before bed when I take those. Now, I've noticed that just having the Serenity gummies is good. The Serenity gummies with the nightcaps by Cured, that is my formula. I, I've tried, actually tried it because Mel told me to. Uh, because she did it first and was like, yeah, that was really the best night of sleep I've gotten in a while. And I was like, whatever, I need to do it. Uh, and I was like, I don't, you know, we've had the nightcaps and I've taken them solo um, where I've substituted because for some reason, I don't know, I was like, I don't know, combining, whatever. Combining is the way to go. <laughs> the nightcaps and the, and the serenity gummies combined is the way to go. Best sleep ever. And that's going to be my new routine. I've also been been um, taking the Rise product more consistently. In particular, before I play tennis every Sunday morning, and I noticed that I've been playing a lot better on Sundays than Tuesdays because I take Rise. I don't know if that's the exact reason, but I take Rise Sunday morning, um, but Tuesday I play in the evening and I don't take it then. I'm going to test this out and see if it holds true for other days that I play, but I've been taking Rise before I record my podcast. I've been taking it before I play on Sunday mornings. Um, and I've been really loving that as well. So um, you get 15% off all of their products. If you go to curednutrition.com slash popfam, that's curednutrition.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M. Um, I highly recommend the Serenity Gummies and the Nightcaps, or you could just do the Sleep Bundle um, plus the Serenity Gummies. The Sleep Bundle is Nightcaps and Zen Caps. And then you can add the Serenity Gummies as well, get 15% off all of that. And then if you want to try the Rise, uh, which is more of like a focus product. And then if you have anxiety, you struggle with anxiety, try the Calm Caps or the Calm Oil. Either way, you can't go wrong there. Definitely helps with uh, relieving some anxiety. CuredNutrition.com. They're amazing people, amazing products. Uh, it's curednutrition.com slash popfam. And the code is popfam, P-O-P-F-A-M at checkout for 15% off. And now let's get back to the episode. So what that looks like is taking a meal or a day where you're not tracking at all or figuring out a cadence that works for you where you're able to have a certain level of flexibility. Now here's where it gets a little bit tricky because it's so nuanced for each individual. But the bottom line is your normal should not be like, I have to hit my macros within three grams, seven days a week. That's not normal. Okay. Your normal should be some degree of flexibility. Now I'll give you a personal example here. Currently I am tracking my macros because I'm trying to lose fat. 
I'm about five pounds down. Thank you very much. Just hit a new low on the scale this morning. Things are going well. On Saturday night, we went out to dinner. Mel and I took uh, my younger youngest stepdaughter and her friend to dinner, went to a pizza place. Mel and I both got uh, salads to start, and then we got this like chicken um, entree. Pretty straightforward. Um, and then we really wanted to have some dessert, so we ended up getting ice cream. And I got two scoops of ice cream. I got one scoop of vanilla, and I got one scoop of coffee. Is it boring? Sure. First of all, coffee ice cream is amazing, but I'm not. I'm not here to like go super indulgent because I'm trying to lose fat. So I have to make some level of compromise, but two scoops of ice cream. Um, Saturday, I track a little bit, but very, very loosely. Mel, I don't believe tracks at all on Saturdays. She snacks a little bit more. She eats a little bit more freely. We have our dinner that is like totally open. The, the last week before this, this past week, um, we got kava. Um, we'll, we'll do whatever we feel like in that, you know, depending on whether we have the kids or not. Like, but either way, we'll do whatever we feel like. And we make certain levels of sacrifice. Like normally, if I'm going to get ice cream, I'm going to get like this indulgent, <laughs> amazing peanut butter bomb sundae that our favorite ice cream place has. That's just, it's like ridiculous probably 1500 calories, but I'm cutting. So two scoops of ice cream, I'm happy. And then this morning, two days later, I hit a new low on the scale. That's my degree of flexibility right now for me. Okay. Where I'm still making progress. I still feel good. I don't feel deprived. I don't feel restricted. That's my level of flexibility right now. So it's finding what that looks like for you. Keep in mind, if I'm eating... I eat four meals, four meals a day. So four meals a day and what are we, seven, seven days a week for 28 meals and one of those meals is not cooked by me per week. So one out of 28 meals per week, every other meal is my own. That doesn't mean that it's like this whole it's everything that I make is doable in like five to 10 minutes. So keep that in mind as well. So this is the next step. It's finding that level of flexibility for you, which is an important part of this process because the more flexibility you have while still making progress, the easier it is to adhere to and stay consistent with. Um, when you are being, you know, trying to be perfect, trying to stay within three grams every single day, you inevitably burn out. It's, it's only, it only takes, uh, it's only a matter of time until that becomes unsustainable. Now, this is also not my norm. So then we have to go to the process of you reach a certain point. Now, my starting point is different because I'm trying to get like 10 pounds off. Well, where I am right now from my, my weight, where it was this morning, I'm trying to get like another eight pounds off. Okay. So another eight pounds or so, but that will then take me back into my like lifestyle. Like I'm not, I'm not taking a break and then going back into a dieting phase. I'm, I'm done for the year. <laughs> like I'm done for the year until I need another tune up. But that's a whole, but let's just say you have like 60, 70, 80 pounds to lose. Let's just say you have 30 pounds to lose. And you are, so you went through the steps, right? You went through tracking where you're just tracking what you're currently doing. You're just getting in the habit of tracking. Then you went to targets, whether that was calories and protein or whether it was, you know, more in, intentional, all three macros, whatever. There's, it, you know, just tracking, then there's hitting targets, then there's layering in flexibility while still making progress. So let's just say for you, that level of flexibility is, um, you know, one day off from tracking per week and two drinks per week, let's just say. Um, and you're making progress with that. If you're not making progress, we have to change that. Okay. We either have to change 
the other six days or we have to change, you know, the, the, the flexible day. But we have to make a change if you're not making progress. Anyway, so you find the level of flexibility that works for you that allows you to make progress. And then let's say you're, you know, you have 30 pounds to lose or whatever. You're not just going to ride this out until you hit 30 pounds of fat loss. What you're going to do is you're going to have a specific amount of time. Now, it doesn't have to be a preset amount of time, but for the most part, you're going to be in in a fat loss phase for around 8 to 16 weeks somewhere in that in that range and what determines how long you stay in fat loss is basically how long you can survive <laughs> um how long you can stay consistent how you know what other variables there are in your life like if you're going into a crazy busy stressful period at work eh, we're probably not going to want to be in fat loss um, so it really depends on the individual and other variables, but let's just say, you know, 12 weeks, let's say you get 15 pounds off. All right. So you're halfway there. Amazing. You got 15 of the 30 pounds off in 12 weeks. Um, and that's reasonable progress. Then from there, you're going to continue tracking, but you're going to layer in a little bit more in terms of flexibility. So now let's say instead of, you know, the one free day and two drinks a week, you go to two free days, like you get Saturday and Sunday off from tracking. Um, and you're, you're able to add a third drink per week. Um, and again, this is going to be highly dependent on the individual, but what's going to happen there is you're just adding like another layer of flexibility to go into maintenance. So your calories are going to come up. You're going to have a little bit of uh, a rebound in terms of the scale. It's not fat. It's just that you have a little more food in your system, a little more water in your system, and it is what it is. Maybe some tiny, tiny fat. Like, here's the thing. If you, if you give yourself the low of 15 pounds, you got to expect at least three to come up, to come back on the scale just because of food and water. All right. So three to five pounds while you're in maintenance, while you have more flexibility and more food. And now we can shift the focus into something else like performance and muscle building and recovery and, you know, giving your metabolism time to chill and actually maybe even boost your metabolism a little bit. Um, if we put on some muscle. So now we're in this even more flexible stage, um, of maintenance. And we ride that out for as long. Again, this is a very variable situation, but let's just say a minimum of three months. Then you go back to a fat loss phase. You get the next, you know, 10, 15 pounds off and you're like almost at your goal. And you might have to rinse and repeat that process one more time. Now, if you are somebody who has more weight to lose, let's say it's 50, 60, 70 pounds, we just keep going through this process. Now, Sometimes the, if you do have uh, significantly more weight to lose, you can ride out the, the fat loss phase maybe a little bit longer or just take like a week long diet break or two week diet break, get back into it. But a lot of it is, is very, very dependent on the individual. So it's, it's hard for me to give blanket statements like that, but I'm trying to give you like the thought process here. And then let's just say we use the 30 pound example. So first fat loss phase was 15 pounds. We gained back three to five. Next fat loss phase was 10 pounds. So let's just use simple numbers. We're down 20 net. Okay. Then we gained, you know, back like two to three pounds. And then the final fat loss phase got you to like whatever, 28 to 30 pounds down. Now, as you go back into that flexibility side of things, you have your two days and your three drinks, right? And you're kind of living your life. Then we pull back another day. Now you're, you know, three, three untracked days. Then we go and make sure that you maintain. And then we gradually, gradually, gradually get to a place where you are completely moved away from tracking and you're able to maintain your weight. There is a, a big, massive, massive butt here. And that is not mine. I don't have a massive butt. I wish I had a more defined butt. 
but I don't work on it. So I can't really say that. I wish I had. The massive but here is throughout this process, if you are not focused on the habits and the behaviors and the foundational pieces that serve you for the rest of your life, none of this shit matters. None of it matters. Unless you're focused on shifting the way that you make food choices so that most of your food is high quality stuff. Like, and I don't mean high quality, like it's expensive or organic. I just mean you're eating real food most of the time. If you don't shift your lifestyle where you are managing stress and walking more and lifting weights consistently and, and, you know, sleeping well. And if you're not shifting the foundational habits, none of this shit matters. Oh, by the way, that also includes your mindset and your perspective and doing some of the things that I talked about in the beginning of this episode, which is, you know, figuring out those sticking points for you in terms of like the perfectionist tendencies, the all or nothing mindset, um, the fear of failure and being able to align your morals, your values with your actions, building that foundation based off of your identity and who you want to become. And then the reward, the checkpoint, the the am I doing well is all based off of the behaviors. It's all based off the, the daily commitments. Because if you're not enforcing that foundation, none of the rest of the shit matters. That's why you gain the weight back. If you've ever tracked macros and gained the weight back after tracking, you tracked macros, you lost weight, you gained it back. It just means that you did not change the lifestyle part, the mindset part, the identity part, the habits, the behaviors. Like It just means that we didn't put that in place. And that's the major caveat to all of this. The process for transitioning out of macros, I've I've done it. I'm I'm a living example. I track macros for like two months out of the year. 10 months, I'm not tracking a thing and I'm maintaining a certain level of leanness that I'm comfortable with. And then I use macros as a tune-up to get some some body fat off when I'm uncomfortable. That's it. I just go back to it because it's the most specific way to accomplish that result. But I did this. I'm living proof. You have the flexibility and then you just continue to layer more flexibility. But here's the thing. When I'm not tracking macros, when I'm not tracking macros, I'm still walking every day. I'm still lifting. I'm still playing tennis. I'm still uh, prioritizing sleep. I'm still managing stress. I still have all of these pillars in place that are never going to go away because they are fully ingrained in in my life. I identify with it. I I morally align with it. Part of my value system. There is nothing that you can do to take that away from me. It's fully ingrained. How? Because I've actually taken the time to identify who I want to be and what does that person value? What are my morals? And I've made an active choice to fulfill on that, to act as this person, to keep those daily commitments, to base my progress off of the process. Did I follow through? Did I follow through on those daily commitments? If yes, then I'm doing a damn good job. And now macro tracking is simply a tool that I can use when I need it. It's there, it's a tune-up, and it's easy. The process for transitioning out is very simple. First, you learn the skill. Then you learn the targets, how to hit targets. Um, then you layer in the flexibility. Then you phase things appropriately to reach your goals. And then you start to dial back on when, you, when you've reached your goals, you start to pull away slowly but surely. All the while, you are building these sustainable habits that serve you for life. That's the way that this process works. It does not work. If you're simply focused purely on the numbers, it does not work. If you're simply focused purely on the scale, it does not work. If you ignore your mindset, your identity, your values, your habits, your actions, your behaviors, like it does not work unless those things are put into place. It's funny because if you think about what coaching is, coaching is, is nothing to do with macros. Even though you can use macros as part of a coaching program, the actual success of coaching has so little to do with macros. And it has to do with all the other stuff, the 
the mindset, the identity, the beliefs, the value system, the daily commitments, the who you want to become, the fears that are holding you back, fear of failure, fear of letting yourself down, like all this stuff that comes up through the process, like that's what coaching is. Because once we identify that stuff, you will follow through based off of the person that you want to become and what you want to accomplish and what's important to you and your own value system. And once we identify that, that's the foundation that we're really building. Macros are just a tool. It's a temporary tool. It's a temporary tool that's very specific that allows us to get you the physical results that you want, but that doesn't matter. The physical results don't matter if we if we ignore the inner workings of how this all comes together. I hope that makes sense. But that's the process. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be within three grams. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be overly exhausting or stressful or time-consuming. It can actually be a pretty enjoyable process with the right support, the right guidance, the right accountability. You'll be amazed at how much different you can feel and how this process can actually be um, you know, something that enhances your life instead of takes away from it. Anyway, if you need help, if you're struggling with macros and you feel like you're, you're all or nothing, you're trying to be too perfect, you've had trouble with it in the past, I can give you a different perspective. Just reach out and let me know that you're, you've, you've been through it because um, I've been there myself. I understand. Just reach out on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Uh, and if, you know, I get it. If you've been listening for a while and you're, you have that fear, you have that resistance, I totally understand. I know because I have a human brain too. And my human brain tries to keep me in my comfort zone, just like your human brain tries to keep you in your comfort zone. It's an active choice to step outside of that, to put yourself out there, to get vulnerable for a second. And it just might be the thing that changes everything for you. So reach out if you're so inclined and, uh, either way, whether you do or don't. I hope this was helpful and I will talk to you very soon.